0: Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. David and Kay Arthur are coming to Brantford, Ontario this September. We want to invite you to join us at Central Baptist Church on September 6th and 7th for a two day conference that you won't want to miss. David and Kay will be bringing a timely message on holding fast through suffering and trials using the book of 1 Peter. Registration is open and tickets are going fast. The cost for this conference is only $79, and with a limited number of seats available, you will want to register soon. Register online on our website or by calling our office at 877-234-2030. Has your life been changed by inductive Bible study? Why not invite someone to learn the inductive method by taking part in one of our many workshops happening across Canada? Interested in hosting a workshop in your church? Contact our events team today by emailing training at and bring the transforming power of God's word to your community. Four years ago, we started to pray and ask God to provide a facility that would allow Precept to have larger classrooms to fill with students studying the Bible each week. In the summer of 2018, God opened the floodgates of blessing and provided Precept with a beautiful building that met all of our requirements. In February, we launched our Thrive Building campaign to help meet the financial needs of this new building. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with us? You can find out more information about the Thrive Building Campaign as well as watch a video tour of our new facility by visiting us online at www.preceptministries.ca slash thrive. Together, we can engage more people in relationship with God through knowing His Word. To stay up to date with everything happening at the ministry, visit us online at preceptministries.ca or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unlocking the Truth podcast. Mark Sheldrake here with Derek Kamink, and we are excited to be taking a break from covenant. Not because we don't like covenant, Derek. We really enjoy uh, teaching through covenant, but uh, we wanted to stop, and we wanted to look at, uh, for the next three weeks, the journey to the cross. Mm -hmm. I think that it is so important for us to take a break from covenant, and yet this melds so well with covenant, but we wanted to take this time and and really look at this significant uh, time in Christian history with uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's Easter, folks, and uh, we're excited that uh, you have taken the time to join us. We took a break at our Christmas season as well. We took some time to work through Advent and the five Uh, different aspects of Advent so we thought we'd do the same thing for Easter and therefore you could go back to this podcast anytime after listening even every Easter if you want make it a family family thing yeah like you know when you (laughs) used to listen to Hockey Night in Canada on the radio (laughs) instead of uh, watching it on TV anyway so so happy to have you here I'm gonna ask Derek if you'd open in prayer and then we'll we'll dig right in
2: Almighty God, we, uh, we come to you now and we're so grateful. We're so thankful for uh, the truth that we find in your word, especially around Easter, as we uh, see sort of the culmination of, of your plan from the very beginning, your redemptive plan to, uh, to bring us back into right standing with you, to allow us to, to claim righteousness based on our faith in you uh, once again. And uh, I just pray that you'll uh, be with us as, as we walk through these texts uh, with those who are listening uh, I pray that it will be uh, an impactful uh, time in, in their life as they, as they listen along with us as we walk through these, uh, these last days of, of Jesus Christ on earth and uh, begin to understand the implications of, of his death for us as believers. So I ask that you'll be with us uh, today and uh, just guide our discussion. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen.
1: Listen, uh, the commercials are out there. It's Easter, you it's know. It's Easter time, yeah. You've got the clucking rabbit yeah. uh, advertising the Cadbury cream egg. Mm-hmm. Free range now. Free range, yeah. yeah organic, <laughs> organic uh, rabbit chicken eggs. And, uh, you know, you go into Walmart, for example, or any store, everything's turned over. Yeah. Chocolate, chocolate here, chocolate there, Easter yeah. eggs. And uh, yet, uh, we can't lose focus. We can't lose focus of what this holiday is. Uh, in this time really is about. It's about uh, Jesus. And so I wanted to uh, uh, take this time to go for three weeks through the journey of the cross, looking at um, Jesus, his life. And that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up in the final days of his life uh, from the book of John. And uh, our focus text for the day will be John chapter 17. But I want to give some context of where Uh, We are in in Jesus' life at this point. The beginning of chapter 13 is this whole section of the scripture that we call the Upper Room Discourse, which uh, comes down to the final days of of Jesus' life. And we have um, John 13, um, which we could do a whole podcast on John 13. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, I love the fact that this is uh, Jesus in his humility uh, washing Uh, the disciples' feet, Mm -hmm. you know, in the servanthood. But it's also John 13 is uh, this betrayal of one of the 12 uh, betraying Jesus for uh, an amount of money. But every time I come to John 13, every time I teach around Easter time, I always think about what would it have been like for Jesus Mm -hmm. to uh, get down on his knees, and grab Judas's foot mm-hmm. and start to wash his feet, yeah. looking him in the eye as Judas is looking down, you yeah. know, and Jesus knowing that's the son of perdition. Mm-hmm. That's the one that's going to betray me. And yet he didn't not yeah. wash his feet. Yeah. You know, that just sets this whole stage for... Um, where we're heading in John chapter 17. So John 13 is washing of the Jesus, Jesus uh, washing the disciples feet. Jesus, um, our Judas, betrays Jesus. John chapter 14, we have that phenomenal verse in there where he's teaching, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. That's why I love about that connection of covenant, because the last covenant um, podcast we did, we looked at this verse of of, through me, the two uh, people walking through, you know, God walking through the two parts of uh, the flesh. And so he's now teaching on this and he's talking about abiding and believing and uh, holding to the commandments. And uh, he begins to set them up about the very fact that he's going to be leaving. Mm -hmm. John chapter 15 is that whole idea of abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. The, the whole key passages uh, in John 15 is about bearing fruit and and remaining in him. <clears throat> and then uh, about the I didn't choose you, greater, no greater love than this, than the one who lays down his life. You know, he's setting all of this up for mm-hmm. what he's about to do, you yeah. know, in John chapter uh, 17, basically 17 to 20 is, Is going to be the whole um, final prayer, his death, his trial, his burial, and then his resurrection. And so, uh, John 16 is when he comes out real clear. Mm -hmm. And he comes out real clear and pointing to this is what's going to happen to me. I am going to die. And, uh, um, but, you know, this is what's been planned from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So, now that brings us to John chapter 17. And as we get to John chapter 17, I want to read the first five verses and uh, go back and then look a little closer at those things. But what we want to do, Derek, is we want our listeners to really hear and understand um, two things. So if you're a person that's listening to this podcast and you're not driving, (laughs) please don't do it when you drive. Uh, but if you are sitting at home and you are listening to the podcast, it would be great if you had a piece of paper with mm-hmm. you, and that piece of paper, uh, you wrote a list on there of the things you see in Scripture that God gives to Jesus, mm-hmm. and then the things that Jesus Uh, gives to people. And so that's what we're going to look at um, in this uh, final prayer of Jesus. But we again need to have context. So if you look at chapter 17, verse 1, he says, Jesus spoke these things. And lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. So good inductive Bible study students, the first thing they ask is, what are these things? Mm -hmm. But he's referring back to All the chapters in this upper room discourse that we've already said, like through 13, 14, 15, 16, that's these things that he's talking about. And then he gets to um, that second part. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Uh, That's another important piece of the inductive tool is marking those time references. So we've got some cross-references that I want you to look at, and I'll have Derek read through these cross-references on this whole idea of the hour has come. And so uh, look what he says
2: in John, Jesus' teaching, when it comes to this hour. So if we go back in the book of John, uh, if we go to chapter 20, or chapter 4, uh, we see in verse 21, um, Jesus speaking, and he says, uh, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the jews and again in verse 23 but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for such people the father speaks to be seeks to be his worshipers and then in john 16 verse
1: 2 he says again he refers to this hour that is coming which this is Jesus. He has been pointing all along to this hour that is coming. An hour is coming. An hour is coming. An hour is coming. Yeah. And then in John chapter 17, he says, when he's praying to the to his father, he says, the hour has come. Mm-hmm. It's changed now. It's changed from this distant future, a yeah. uh, date that's coming, and now it's, it's coming, and, and what is it that's coming? The hour has come. And it's the hour where the sun will be glorified mm-hmm. and that the Son may glorify God. Yeah. And how is he going to do that? Well, we're going to break that down as we go through uh, the rest of the text. And so verse 2, this is where we get those things. So Derek, get your pen ready because I'm going to be asking oh, you it. what God gave and what Jesus gives in this verse so that those who are listening can give us the... Um, They can write it on their list as well. Let me start at verse one again. Jesus spoke these things, lifting up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And so now there's a couple things that are given here. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing that's given?
2: Well, he says, you gave him authority over all flesh. So God gave Jesus this authority.
1: Right. So he's got authority over all flesh. Mm -hmm. And then now look at that next part is who's giving what in verse
2: two. That to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. So now we have eternal life given through Jesus, from Jesus to those who believe. That's right. It's amazing because you have
1: authority over all flesh, and then you have the whom connected to the flesh, and then you have Jesus giving eternal life. Now, read the next verse, Derek, because this one we need to star in the margins of our Bible Yeah. because it's so
2: vital for the rest of this chapter. Yeah. I always love it when an author answers the obvious question, right? He's going to give eternal life. Well, what does that mean? And verse 3 said, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. We now have what it will mean to have eternal life. Mm -hmm. And so we know God gave authority, and Jesus gives eternal life. So now verse 4, it says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. These first five verses, Jesus is praying for himself. Mm -hmm. And so now if you look at uh, verses four and five, what do you see in those verses that... um, Give us a better understanding of what jesus is talking about
2: yeah so first he says that I, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work the work which you have given me to do and so god gave uh, a job a, a task to jesus and he says that he has already accomplished that and now he what he's asking for uh is to be joined with the father once again the way that they were together um in the beginning, before before the world began, uh, when they were present with one another, he's asking to be to be returned to that state.
1: I mean, John chapter 18 is the beginning of the questioning of Jesus before the high priest and the whole trial and process that he's going to be going through up until the end of Jap- John uh, 20. And so, but you've got here Jesus saying, "I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do." I mean, the work that he was given to do was to go to the cross That's right. and be the sacrifice for sins. But he's saying right here, pre-sacrifice, right. that his work has been given to been done. The other thing that he says is, I glorified you on earth, and we have to ask ourselves, well, how did he do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Uh, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Think about it, you know, even way back to Moses, nobody ever saw God.
2: You
1: know, God walked behind Moses and his face glowed. That's right, yeah. But nobody ever saw God until Jesus came to earth. And when Jesus came to earth, Hebrews tells us he was the exact representation Mm -hmm. of his Father. And so we saw the glory of God through Jesus when he was on earth. Mm -hmm. Now, verse six, uh, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them and they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you and believed that you sent me. I love these verses, and uh, why don't you tell me what you see there, Derek, in verses six to eight?
2: Yeah, as we, as we walk through these verses, if, you, if you're marking keywords, that word gave, is, is definitely where you wanna spend some time making a list. Um, so he says that I have manifested your name to the men who you gave me. So God gave to Jesus um, these men out of the world. At first, they were gods, and then he gave them to Jesus and these men have kept, uh, have kept the word of God. Um, and they also come to understand everything that he has, Jesus has, was given to him from the Father. And, uh, and the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And so the, the truth about, uh, about the gospel, that, um, that it is no longer according to the law that you are saved, but it is uh, through faith, by grace, Um, that that you receive your salvation. These words that God gave to Jesus to preach when he was uh, on earth. He says that now I have given them um, to these men and they have received them and they understand them and they understand that I came, that Jesus came uh, from God and they believe um, in God, the one who sent him. Right. So now, If we're good students of
1: the Word, and we're good inductive students, we look at this verse 8, and there's a process here. Mm -hmm. First, it says that uh, God gave Jesus the words, then Jesus gave the disciples the Word, the disciples received the Word, they understood the Word, and they believed Mm -hmm. the Word, which was pointing to the fact that God sent his son, Jesus. You have to ask yourself, why is that so important? The reason is we have to go back up to verse 3. Now look at what he defined as eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus whom you have Sent mm-hmm. now what he's saying in verse 8 is he's saying that these disciples will experience eternal life because they match the very definition that's right of eternal life in chapter in verse 3. What's being said about them in 8 is the definition in verse 3. Mm-hmm. This is why the journey to the cross is so important because what's at stake here is. Eternal life. It's knowing that God is the one true God and that Jesus was sent by him to this earth to be the sacrifice. This is the gospel. And so now, uh, let's just summarize. What has God given the Son so far? Mm -hmm. He's given him authority to give eternal life, He's given him people out of the world, Mm -hmm. He gave him a work to accomplish. He gave him his words. And then let's figure out what else he's given. Mm -hmm. Verse 9 says, I ask on behalf, I do not, on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, yet they themselves are in the world, and I have come to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Verses 9 to 11, we've got another God gives. Mm-hmm. And what's, the God give, what's God giving there?
2: Uh, we see that, that God has given him, Jesus, um, his name. Um, he says, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are. And so we have, um, again in 12, um, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me and guarded them. And so there is um, this giving of the name, the name of Jesus Christ, the the Messiah, was the name given from the Father.
1: This is another valuable part of this prayer. To think that Jesus is... In the final hours of his life, and he is praying to these things to the Father. He's praying first, "Let me uh, glorify You." Now, how is he going to glorify God? He's going to glorify God by going in complete obedience to the cross. Mm -hmm. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be scourged. He's going to be spit on. He's going to be name called. He's going to be hated, he's going to be mocked, and he's going to do all that in complete obedience to his call. And therefore, because of his obedient actions, he will glorify the Father. The Father will glorify Jesus by bringing him back to where he was Mm -hmm. before he came to earth. So there's this glorification that's going to occur. But the interesting part is you can see Jesus in his life here, that over his ministry, he has worked with these 12 disciples, Mm -hmm. and now he's getting ready to leave those disciples. And yet, this is the part of where the prayer changes. The prayer changes, if you were to segment this out, the first part is Jesus is praying for himself. The second part is, is Jesus is praying for his disciples. And that really summarizes to about verse 20. Yeah. And now we have to look at, well, what's he praying for those disciples that he's leaving behind? Mm-hmm. The first is that he says, I'm not in the world anymore. Right. You know, his work is done. He's still here. Yeah. But this wasn't his f- firm home. He yeah. was going to go back and be in heaven. So, but he says that they are in the world. And, and you have to think about that, about um, that part of the prayer. But we'll come back to that as we dig into that later. He says, uh, keep them in your name. But now that's a good point of verse 12. So read verse 12 there, Derek. What does it say?
2: While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them. And not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled.
1: So what's interesting about this is you have the very fact that when Jesus was on earth, he kept them where they needed to be. That's right. He guarded them. He protected them. He kept them in the name of the Father. He never let one of them fall away uh, or stray or become apathetic, whatever the case may be, uh, except for one, for the one who, from the beginning of scripture, Mm -hmm. was set to betray, and that is Judas. But he says, now, because I'm leaving this world, the prayer is, Father, you keep them Mm -hmm. in your name, because I'm not here to guard them. Not going to be there anymore. Anymore. Look at verse 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Mm. Interesting verses there, Derek. What are you what are you seeing unpacked there?
2: Yeah, what we see is is now um this unity <laughs> between the disciples and uh, and Jesus. That uh in receiving the word uh, something has changed in them, that they have become hated because they are now aligned with, um, with Jesus. Um, to the point that their, their status is that they are no longer of the world because they have received eternal life. Because they have heard um, and received and understood and believed the word, they now have eternal life. So they are no longer of this, uh, this temporal world. Uh, they are now marked for, uh, for salvation, marked for heaven. And so they are hated because they don't belong in this world anymore. He says, even as I am not of the world. And so they are destined for, uh, for eternal life with the Father.
1: Yeah, we talked about this in covenant. This is why it gels so well mm-hmm. together with covenant is because this is a position change. You know, they're not in the world anymore.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, they were of the world. They're going to stay in the world, but their home is not the world. Yeah. And so that's what Jesus is praying for them. Uh, protect them. The world hates them. They've become an enemy of the world because they believe in me. Mm-hmm. They follow after my teaching. They're my disciples. Now, look what he says in verse 15. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth, because your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. And the one thing that I want to point out in this, and then we'll further unpack it, is He says to them, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. The most interesting part of this, and I've taught through this passage before, and I've thought and I've I've pointed the question to people in in training workshops Mm -hmm. when we've gone through this is, why didn't Jesus just say, God, these disciples have been faithful disciples. Mm -hmm. They should come with me when I come back to you. Yeah. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, take them with me. Mm -hmm. And the reason I don't think he says, you know, he doesn't pray that is because they cannot say before their almighty God, verse four, Mm -hmm. they cannot tell God that they have accomplished the work that God gave them to do. Mm -hmm. Because their work was going to start after Jesus was gone. That's right. Which we'll look at in two weeks. Yeah. So he cannot, they ca- he cannot take them with him. He's mm-hmm. left them behind. He also says one other thing for them. He says, as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And I'd point out to you that it'd be worth going back into your scriptures and looking into the book of Matthew and looking at the couple of experiences where Jesus sent the disciples into the world when he was guarding them and Mm -hmm. keeping them in the name of the Father. I think that's what he's pointing to. This is when I sent them out into the world, because he hasn't sent them out into the world without
2: him yet. Right, yeah. But that's, that's going to be their role, right? Like, God, you sent me here to do this work, and I am going, I have sent them, and I will send them. Um, so that they will be able to accomplish uh, the work that they have been given. Exactly.
1: Now, verse 20. This is where the segment changes Mm -hmm. again. So why don't we summarize uh, quickly one more time what God gives the Father. I'll summarize what God gives the Father. You summarize what the Son gives to believers up into where we are. So, the Father gives the Son the authority to give eternal life. The Father gives the Son people out of the world. He gives Him a work that He needs to accomplish. He gives them words. That, uh, he gives Him words. He gives Him His name. Mm-hmm. And He gives Him His glory, yeah. which we'll see in a few minutes.
2: Now, what else do you, uh, what does the Son give? Well, even just to the disciples, uh, the Son gives uh, the word, um, that they receive, he gives them uh, protection, he guards them, so that they, so that they are not perished, uh, so they do not perish, and, and he, by sending them, he gives them as well that, um, that sort of job, work to accomplish, the same way he received it from the Father, he gives to the Son. And he gives to believers, we see that he gives eternal life, um, the message of that there is only one true God, and it is Jesus who is sent by him. Uh, he, he keeps the believers and the disciples in his father's name. Uh, and in verse 15, there is this request to keep them, um, not to take them out of this world, but to keep them safe uh, from the evil one. And he calls for them to be sanctified um, as they believe in the truth.
1: Yeah, so I think that if I were segmenting this out, I'd say Jesus p- prays for himself, Jesus prays for the disciples, mm-hmm. and then Jesus prays for us and that's where I want to bring us as we come to our time of wrapping up is what is this all what does this all mean? Mm-hmm. you know when we're taking the the road to the cross, here's what we know. We know for a very fact, we know the gospel. Yep. We know that Jesus was sent to die on the cross, that he was buried three days and that he rose again. He appeared to many and then he ascended to the Father. We know this. We've we've been taught this in Sunday school, you know, multiple times. This final prayer of Jesus' life shows his true humility mm-hmm. as a man praying to God, asking for prayer for himself, asking for prayer for the disciples. But what does he want from us? Mm. You know, what does he want us uh, as the church today when he's at the right hand of the Father. Yeah. What's he praying for will be the result of this action that occurs on the cross. And we get that in the final six verses. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but those who believe in me through their word. Verse 20 tells us that the disciples are going to have believers coming out of their
2: yeah. message. They're going to be successful. They're going in, to be successful. In the work that they're, that they're sent to accomplish.
1: Yeah. Wow, amazing. Yeah. But here's what they want. Uh, That they may be all one. Even as you, Father, are in me, I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So not even moving out of verses 20 and 21, what's he want? He prays for those who will come to know and believe the gospel. After through the disciples' work. Mm-hmm. But what does he want for future believers at this point in connection with the Father and the Son?
2: He says that they may all be one. And not just like get along, right? There is, there is something deeper to the, the unity that he's calling for. As you and I, Father, are one. Uh, that they may be also with us. The disciples may also be with us, but also that the world may believe that you have sent me.
1: Right. Which brings us back again to verse three. Mm -hmm. What does the unity so prove? It brings people to the belief that you sent me, which is eternal Eternal life. life. It brings us back to that definition. Mm -hmm. Now, the glory which you have given me, so you could add that to your list there, that God gave Jesus the glory, which you've given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. Now, you've got to be researching good on yeah. this verse to know what he's talking mm-hmm. about. And so I'm going to point out in this verse, feel free to email mm-hmm. at DKming, <laughs> <No. laughs> if you think I'm wrong, but What I believe here is the glory that he's referring to that we will receive is that of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That the Holy Spirit that we're going to receive when Jesus leaves is that which brings us into unification. It unites us with the Father, Mm -hmm. it unites us with the Son, and it unites us together. It's that one common denominator that we all have. So the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. Feel free to look it up. Feel free to email me at DK. No. <laughs> anyway, let's go to verse 23. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Again, what's going
2: on in verse uh, 23? We, we have this sort of passing on, what, what God gives to Jesus, Jesus has given to the disciples, the disciples are going to pass on to those who believe after them, that they may be pe- perfected in unity, that it is, it is when we are together as believers, united in the Holy Spirit, that we, are, um, that we are made perfect, that we can mature with one another, that we can help one another um, become closer to God. And the whole reason for unity is that the world will know, again, that you sent me and that you love them just as you have loved me. And that's, that's the message, right, is how do we know that God loves us? Because he sent his son. John says it earlier on. Because he sent his son, we can know that um, that God loves us. And so, what he what he's calling for again is unity, but unity with a purpose. What unity accomplishes is um, that when we are unified, we can show the world who God is and what He has done uh, through His Son Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely amazing the importance of the unity, and this is what Jesus is praying for. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have so uh, lost that. Yeah. You know, we have so much individuality, even within churches, Mm -hmm. that we're not unified together uh, in what we do. It's funny that um, I always make the joke of reinventing the wheel. Right. You know, like people might write multiple different Bible curriculums and then not use Bible curriculums that are available. Unity would be let's all work together instead yeah. of um, trying to compete right you know competing doesn't competing doesn't show the world that God sent Jesus. Mm-hmm. It shows a totally different aspect of um, worldly uh, desires and yeah. fleshly desires when we should be working together for furthering the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But I love what Jesus says in verse 24. Father, I desire, that they also whom you've given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Can you imagine that Jesus, he's about to go to the cross. Mm-hmm. He is very close, hours away, about to go to the high priest, yeah. be left overnight in Caiaphas' house, And the next day, he'll be crucified. And here he is praying that those who believe, those disciples, those who will come, that they will be with Jesus in paradise. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely uh, phenomenal. Why? So that they may see the glory, that this glory he prayed about, That he would be given in the beginning, that they would be able to see that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Verse 25, O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known you that you sent me. I have made your name known to them, and they will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. You know what he's saying here? He's saying that those who come to know Jesus they've come to know what true eternal life is they'll go out and share it with other mm-hmm. people that's a responsibility we have i think as we come into easter as we journey to the cross yeah is that aren't we supposed to go out and share this truth mm-hmm. with others yeah well, what do you think
2: well and and that's why we that's why we remember easter that's why we do it every year to keep fresh in our minds what was what was done for us um on the cross through Jesus Christ. And when that is um, in the forefront of our minds, if that's something that we're always being reminded of, uh, of how, not just what Jesus did for us then, but what he continues to do for us, how our lives have been changed um, through the understanding of what was done. So when when Jesus says that they, um, I've given them the words, they received them, they understood them, and they believed them, then that change happened in them, that they became destined for eternal life. That same change happens in us when we receive the truth of the gospel, when we understand it and when we believe it. Then our, we are changed and we are destined for eternal life. And it's not like nothing in our, in our life here changes. Our lives change so that we, we do our best to become like God, to follow God, um, you know the guidelines that he places in our lives, not out of obligation, but out of gratitude. And when our lives are changed, uh, we should be sharing that life change with the people that we love and care about. Just like anything else that happens in our life, when we have when we have a child, uh, we share how our life has changed. When we see we see engagement announcements, we were are invited to wedding ceremonies. That these things are. Our big moments in our life that we that we can't help but share because they fill us with joy, um, and that should be the same for our uh, our baptisms. That we should be we should be inviting all of our friends to see us be baptized because it it brings in this this change of life that happens when we receive, when we understand, when we believe, and we have been our status has been changed, and we are and we are given eternal life. And so what we're called to do then is to do exactly that, to share that truth. Just like the disciples were given this responsibility. Jesus was given a task. Uh, the, the disciples have been given a task as well. Uh, Jesus here tells us that they will be successful in it. And we can know that they've been successful because we have received the gospel as well. And so we now have a responsibility to, to be able to say the same thing, that I have accomplished the work which you have given me to do when we stand before God, that we can say we have shared the gospel, that we've lived a life that shows um, uh, that we have been changed through the the message of the gospel.
1: Absolutely. And I want to summarize as we um, wrap up that uh, what are these final verses in 20? uh, Basically, if I were to look at my Bible, which is in front of me, for about verse 13 all the way down, I see the word world mm-hmm. multiple times. Uh, what is the summary of Jesus, his followers, and the world from these verses? Well, first, Jesus, uh, his followers are sent into the world. That's what Derek was just talking about, sent into the world with the purpose of sharing the gospel. They are... In the world, they haven't left the world yet. They still have work to do. They're not of the world. Their position has changed. The world hates them. We need to pause there for that moment because we have to say to ourselves listen, this is not the watered down gospel. Mm -hmm. If you are a follower and you are in suffering and persecution, it's because the world hates you. It's biblical. Mm It's not an easy life to live as a Christian. Well, the world's going to hate them, but unified believers, unified believers with each other, with God, and with the Son, will result in the world knowing and believing that the Father sent the Son, which is eternal life. Mm-hmm. So, so vital for us to understand the importance of unity. And that's the call for us, I think, as we wrap this up, is how unified are we Mm -hmm. as a body of Christ, not organizationally, you know, First Baptist Church with Second Baptist Church. How unified are we as a body? Do we understand how we are unified through the cross, Mm -hmm. through Jesus Christ and the work that he did there? If... We all come to the Father through Jesus Christ. We all have the same Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. We all uh, are under the same obedience that Jesus called us to. And therefore, we should be united. We shouldn't be in competition. We should be uh, walking together, furthering the gospel, preaching the gospel to the world, and showing them that we are unified. And I think we have a lot of work to do in that, mm-hmm. but it starts with prayer. Yeah. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us today. We thank you that we've had an opportunity to look at this wonderful prayer in the last hours of Jesus' life, this, this um, prayer that he has for himself, for his disciples, and for the world, Lord. That, Father, the world would be—that uh, the people and believers would be in unity— that we would be together so that the world would know that you sent your Son. Father, this is what Easter is all about. It is the gospel message that you sent your Son to this earth to be the ultimate sacrifice, that his shed blood would wipe away sins. The book of Psalms says that our sins would be wiped away as far as the east is from the west by the actions of your Son on the cross. So, Father, help us to be mindful of the gospel be courageous to be able to share it with those uh, who need to hear it most give us the courage to do so that we would testify of the wonderful things that you've done in our life so that others would be able to come to know your son and receive eternal life in your name we pray amen
2: amen
0: for more information on precept ministries canada Visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.